Hi everyone and welcome to episode five of the podcast Fenced In. Uh, you're here with uh, me, Ben and Chris. Chris, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. For our regular listeners, you should know a bit about us by now. Just to give you a quick overview. So we are both uh, GB International Foilists, good close friends and uh, also coach and student. So we decided to kick off this podcast a few weeks ago. Chris is the brainchild behind this and we're enjoying it, aren't we? It's really good. We're now, as I said, into episode five, I think lockdown week six i've kind of lost track uh, weeks and days are starting to to blend together it's only my off days that tell me what <laughs> what week i'm in now but uh, i think that's where we are and it's you know starting to feel a bit challenging i was thinking back to our episode yesterday our episode from the other week yesterday about not having an end date in sight because although it's easy to talk about it sometimes practicing it can be quite hard yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And I, actually, uh, Lucy, my girlfriend, turned on Boris Johnson's uh, speech yesterday and kind of giving an indication that next week, um, after finding out those five key factors and knowing whether those will be met or not, and, and potentially the ease of lockdown is is actually quite a scary thought. Because for me, it was something like, hang on, I'm in a routine now. I kind of get this. I'm used to this. And then the idea of change again is is quite scary but yeah five or six weeks in lockdown is as has been challenging but we're hoping that this is giving the fencing community out there the things that they need before we go into this episode in more detail we just wanted to uh take a moment because through the british fencing community sadly it was brought to our attention that matthew dickinson um had sadly passed away uh, he was a high level international fa fencer and we just wanted to take a moment to recognize him and obviously the fact that he had many many close friends within british fencing i didn't know him personally and it was just really awful to hear i know he's got a lot of close friends and if if those athletes around the community are struggling with that loss then to getting in contact with british fencing because there is support for you yeah, that's very sad news and fantastic that British Fencing are supporting uh, in any way that they can. So people, please do get in touch with them. And if you know if you're feeling something awful, awful and a, a very sudden loss and and big shock to all of us. Yeah, and all of our condolences go to to his family. So this episode is going to be on mobility, stability, and flexibility. So we're going to attempt to give you our. Uh, our, our explanations and what we we think those are chris what when you say mobility stability flexibility what jumps to your mind i'll give you stability and flexibility but i want you to give me mobility okay, not because i right. don't know what it is <laughs> because i want to check your understanding yeah nice okay yeah absolutely let's do that let's go for that okay i'm going to put it in layman's terms so flexibility is how bendy you are stability is how stable you are how much you can you know your body can kind of hold itself and use the small muscles you're not really sure exists. One of my favorite quotes is from Rocky, you know, when he gets in the pool and, oh, yeah. you know, he's really struggling. And so his coach is like, he's using muscles he didn't even know he had. <laughs> That's what stability is about. Stability and mobility works its way in there as well. But Ben, go on, your turn. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and just so the, the listeners are uh, are aware, these aren't um, textbook answers that we're going to give you. This is our informed knowledge and experience. Um, this is the and... fenced in podcast textbook. <laughs> 
This is, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would say that mobility incorporates the other two. So mobility is kind of your your strength and your flexibility through a range of movements. So are you mobile effectively? Are you able to do a whole range of movements with a base level of strength and being able to reach all the range within that mobility and, and that thing that you are doing? So whenever you're given physio exercises, these are the things they cover. It's all about mobility, mm -hmm. st stability and flexibility. So if you have any of those to do at home, your chances are you're doing a good job already, but there's always more. I always come back from physio with more exercises to do and end up working those into my routine. That's half of what my gym session is actually. <laughs> it's just yeah, trying yeah. to keep, keep things away by doing these things. And they often involve resistance bands or standing on one leg or, you know, trying not to fall over. Yeah, I, I call them circus skills. They they are things that are that are very good for uh, for the circus, but also incredibly good for any form of sport or activity. The the way I kind of look at this, I suppose the best way to describe it is, you you know, you see some people um, do you know massive lunges, throw themselves a huge lunge, and they've got such incredible range in their hips. They can lunge for days, but then they lunge, they land on the lunge, and they end up kind of falling over, wobbling a little bit, having to catch themselves with the opposite hand. And so for me. That kind of shows the idea of flexibility. They have the the, the kind of flexibility in the hips to, to get them into that lunge. But whilst they're in that long lunge, they're not able to be stable. They haven't got that stability. They haven't got that strength into that flexibility. And then the whole idea of mobility is, well, OK, can you get into that um, in, into that range? But then can you get back out of it? Can you complete the whole range with everything else and, and you're right physios talk about mobility stability and flexibility quite a lot and the idea of as you said talking about those small muscles so for me i had a, a rotator cuff injury many years ago when i was a junior athlete and i was finding that on my sword arm whilst making extensions i was getting chronic chronic pain um, in most of my shoulder and it was just so happened that when i spoke with the physio that the stability of the actual joint itself wasn't good so all those small muscles that suck the, the the joint in together to keep it nice and strong just just weren't strong so a lot of the big power movement muscles were taking over and they were getting extremely fatigued and then calling causing chronic pain so the idea of getting joints stability the idea that for example whilst doing a lunge the front knee dropping in and that actually potentially getting damaged to the knee joint is because the glutes aren't strong enough to be able to keep the knee stable through into that lunge. So again, talking about stability there. And have you found that that's often more on one side of your body than the other? Seeing as fencing so asymmetrical, some of these exercises or lots of mobility, stability, and flexibility have a great benefit of balancing your body out a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think fencers always laugh and joke about the kind of asymmetry that is in their body. I mean, Chris, you're a right-hand athlete, right? The difference between your right arm and your left arm is noticeable, yeah? Definitely. My left arm is smaller and my left leg is smaller, which always surprised me because, you know, as a developing fencer, everyone talks to you about loading up the back leg as a spring. But really, it's your front leg that bears the impact of the lunge. And, and again, that's something else that really builds up the muscles and, you know, pushing back off of that. So I, I used to be quite surprised that my right leg was bigger than my left, um, obviously yeah. being a right-handed fencer, because I always thought that logically it should be the other way around. And it's not the case at all. No, no, completely. And actually, I think there is a, quite a difference between explosive power and, and strength. And you're right, you get a lot of explosivity um, in your back leg. I, I find that strangely, I, I can do a one a standing one legged jump better on my left than I can on my right. But I can lift more with my right leg than I can my left. So there's an idea of when you've propelled yourself into the lunge, your front leg catches that lunge. 
and not only catches it, but but obviously pushes back off to retreat out of the lunge again on the, on the recovery. So you're right, there, there's lots of different things that kind of all come into this. But, uh, you know, with the whole mobility, stability and flexibility, we've kind of spoken about what it is, but the, the benefits that we've, we've briefly touched on, the idea of laying strong foundations. So I really wish when I was younger, I'd had strength conditioning coaches or coaches around me that had really helped me with that kind of base layer of strength through through my whole body because actually it may have stopped me from getting that that shoulder injury when I was younger and it also not only lays strong foundations obviously it stops injuries but it means that providing that you are mobile you are stable and you're flexible you can make huge gains in your strength conditioning through your lifting and through your speed agility work whatever that is by unlocking the body you can suddenly find you make huge s and c gains chris have you have you found anything like that at all yeah i think that's probably true going back to your point on wishing you in this much earlier on i agree uh same with me i i wish i'd known more about general conditioning training the muscle groups that are important for fencing and kind of how uh mobility stability and flexibility play a part of whether big s and c gains that's a very interesting one i'm not really sure about for myself only because i haven't really been able to measure it i haven't probably kept detailed enough note but there's no doubt that i'm a stronger fitter more stable athlete than i was three or four years ago before i was doing combination of heavy lifting and my exercises for mobility stability and flexibility we need a shorter term for that because yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, going to be a mouthful every time we mention it what's interesting as well as fencers probably will be doing some of this stuff as part of warm-up for fencing that without necessarily think about it so you know you've got dynamic stretches and static stretches combinations of those and then you know leaps and jumps and things that activate different muscle groups they're part of those as well i mean how have you found snc gains how have you found that you know incorporating this what what does this really mean for fencers and how how can people do it um yeah i i think that you're you're spot on there really um i i found that with with doing all three of these things they've helped me massively so for example when I was a younger athlete, I just found my lunge wasn't very long. Um, and I remember one of the senior athletes telling me that I just, I had not got much range in my lunge. And so I spent a long time getting to training, potentially half an hour, 45 minutes earlier, just to work on my flexibility. And that was lots of, of stretching for, for long periods of time. So that was stretching 30 seconds or, or, or above and really being quite um, resourceful with the, with the stretching. So going out on the internet and finding new ways to stretch your hips and things like that to really open up all of that area to give me a lot of range in, in my lunge. That massively helped, but then obviously with that extra reach in my lunge, I had to make sure that I was I was stable and that I was landing correctly and that with the added push that I wasn't damaging my front knee and so I had to work on my glute strength and those kind of things. And so I quickly found that, as you just said, about warming up and, and falling down is that not only can flexibility be incorporated to both warm up and, and cool down, but things like activation, which really help the idea of stability. So at the moment in time, a key thing for me is to do many glute bridges before I start doing any form of fencing activity, because the idea that obviously the nervous system is intrinsically linked with our muscle groups means that we have to wake those muscles up. We have to make them ready to go. And, you know, just jogging up and down the piste is, is not really enough. And, and as you say, the idea of dynamic stretching, so working through a range, which is good for the mobility, it's good to be able to elongate the hips and, and to to do almost yoga-based movements flowing in from one to the next and then doing activation. So like your glute bridges and, and, and hamstring activations and things like that. 
fast, quick feet kind of things with bits of explosivity in it to really engage the muscle groups that you want to use in fencing. And I think I found by having the the access to the hips, I could squat better in my SNC. So I went from being able to squat a certain amount more just because I had more range. So therefore I was making the whole muscle stronger through the range in the squat. And actually by having more mobility in my shoulders and stability meant that I could start doing more power-based exercises like my clean and jerks and my snatches where I could drive the Olympic bar above my head and catch it in a really strong position to increase my power. So you've mentioned a few things there, which is really great but just as a a really quick concise summary of what you've just said to help listeners at home what do you think are the key muscle groups to focus on when doing this stuff i'm not talking about snc but the stuff people can do at home for mobility stability and flexibility what do you reckon are the muscle groups that are important to activate and and work on so i think that the most people don't really understand the idea of posterior chain and that's one of the things that i worked on so that's a lot of what's basically behind you. So that's obviously your lower back, your glutes, your hamstrings, your calves, that kind of stuff. It's amazing how much, and, and what, I was speaking to one of my former SNC instructors about this, it's amazing how much horizontal power we can get by working on posterior chain. And actually glutes, your, which is basically a butt muscle, is a, is a massive one for fencing. It's one of the biggest muscles in the body. And to make that really strong is good because it makes you stable on lunge. And it really adds that horizontal transverse of power that we need on that lunge. Obviously the front hamstring takes a huge amount of load on the lunge and the catch. So I actually had um, a little bit of tendinopathy, which is basically a repetitive strain injury in the top of my hamstring. So they worked very hard on making my hamstring strong, but by making it strong, not lose the flexibility. Because when we do strength work, if we don't stretch appropriately afterwards, we can end up shortening the muscle as it gets stronger. And so it had to be a good balance of strengthening that muscle, but also making sure it was still mobile, it was still flexible. Um, so I can still have that good range. And of course, if your quads start to get tight as well, you lose power by having tight muscles. That's the thing. So I need to understand that by doing foam rolling regularly, it actually helps the muscles to smooth out after being damaged on a long training session and actually allows the more range in the muscle, which means you don't actually lose power. So a lot of kind of hip based stuff like adductors, you know, your, the, the insides, and the outsides of your legs are hugely important as well. If they're tight, you lose range on your lunge. And, you know, even the idea of having a really tight IT band, which runs down the side of your quad, can be very uncomfortable and can actually cause a lot of hip impingement uh, problems as well. Yeah. And those are some of the areas that people struggle with most and also that forget. Because it's a funny combination, isn't it? Because the, there are fencers who know about this and they're the ones you will see kind of they almost live on a foam roller. Mm you know and they focus on kind of calves you know ankles is another one but obviously you can't really roll your ankles but your calves and your ankles are linked so if you've got tight angles or you know kind of issues down there it's often linked to your calf being really tight you know once you loosen that up everything goes a bit better so you know as you said calves you know quads glutes adductors and and things around the outside and lower back as well those are all really really big areas and unfortunately what ends up happening is a lot of the time you don't become aware of some of these issues or things you need to work on until you get an injury. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think you're right there. And one of the things that I found is, again, I had a bit of tendinopathy on, on my back, left Achilles tendon. Uh, and you're right, that came from what I thought at the beginning, a lot of tight calf was causing the problems there. And, and actually what I had to do was I had to do a huge amount of loading on that tendon to make the tendon actually stronger because it was taking so much abuse from training daily and wasn't able to, to do loads so i had to do a lot of isometric holding and loading of the tendon to make it really strong and really firm 
But by doing that, actually, what the problem was caused is that my plantar fascia, which is the arch in, in your foot, became really tight. And so I was getting huge pain in my feet. And I was like, well, how am I getting pain in my feet? So suddenly I was introduced to the idea of a trigger point ball and and it was something that you had to kind of sit your foot on and roll your your foot over this this ball to really alleviate the tension that builds up in in your in your plantar fascia and actually that eased off a lot of tension in, in my achilles whilst it was becoming stronger and i suddenly realized that my change of direction my springiness became so much better because a i wasn't in pain anymore b i was then stronger and i had more range in in, in my my ankle Chris, you made a great point about the idea that it's very hard to kind of, I say, massage your ankles, so to speak, and it's all the surrounding muscle groups. But again, speaking about stability, we've all seen these wobble boards that we can stand on. And the idea of getting on one of those and, and making your proprioception better, making your, your body aware of space and time and, and, and how it's reacting, you get all of these small muscle groups in the ankle strengthening by actually just doing that stability work. And you'll often see high-level international athletes doing almost again, what look like circus skills. They're on a board, they're being thrown balls, having to return the balls, all this kind of stuff, because what it's doing is it's making their body able to get very strong through many ranges, but also adapt to very quick changing circumstances. And so we've all seen a lot of that. And I think one of the masters of flexibility and stretching has to be Richie Cruz. I mean, anybody that's visited the National Centre can see that uh, Richie often ends his, uh, his, his training session by finding a, a wall somewhere and, and putting his legs up against the wall with his back on the floor and then arcing his legs over and, and almost doing what looks like the splits against the wall just to get so much range through the hips. And as a, as a tall athlete, for him to have so much range through flexibility becomes a very, very dangerous athlete. Yeah, and that's really, really helpful to know. And often people can be unaware of the, the impact that all this work can have on their fencing because ultimately the reason we're talking about this and any anything that we're talking about is to benefit people's fencing right so obviously we're not in any sales now we're not actually doing any fencing but when we get back to it incorporating this stuff into warm-ups and really importantly warm downs and when people kind of talk about not feeling warm enough and not being in the zone half the time it's because some of those muscle groups haven't been activated they haven't warmed up properly and some of that is to do with not working at you know all the right areas in your body and something i became aware of actually it was only the start of i suppose the, i still call it this season even though <laughs> the season's effectively over um is you know we spend so much time focusing on our legs which is amazing there are two stages so a few quite a few years ago you know i started focusing much more on the upper body and you know the the other groups that we find really important so uh you know forearm and shoulders and neck but the other one is to do with the fingers you know we oh, spent yeah. you know fencing is a precision sport no matter what weapon you do and that we have a lot going through our fingers which you don't know about you but i've actually got one finger that's kind of started to over the years and years and years started to kind of twist around because of the oh, way man, I, I hold my foil like <laughs> it's really nasty but i i looked up what violin players do to warm up their fingers you know for kind of 15 minutes before and incorporated that into my into my warm-up for training and for sparring uh not for sparring but for competitions and found that to be really 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 helpful because suddenly your hands are ready as well and you're like oh great okay i actually you know i'd have to start waking up my fingers unless it's really really cold outside in the height of winter even then you're just ready to go no, completely. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was something that uh, I, I remember when I walked into the National Centre one day 
back when we had the the world class program, we, we had uh, Pierre Guichot, who who's a he's a he's a French coach, and he was over coaching the Sabreurs. And I remember walking in and seeing them all with their sabers, and they were standing there just slowly moving the saber from the tip right down to the base, all the way up, just using their fingers. And I thought that was an incredible piece of activation because as you just said chris you're you're activating the fingers and you're you're constantly threading the blade up through the fingers and with obviously quite a little bit of weight so it causes resistance and all of those ligaments and tendons and mus small muscle groups in your forearm immediately wake up and suddenly the hand is ready to go and, and for any precision weapon like 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 we're talking about that is is hugely important and, and it was amazing to see such an eye opener and i'm sure most people have seen you know, you see athletes with the blade and they're kind of rotating the blade over their head and back round again to kind of give their, their some range in, in the shoulders. And, and the Italians have a really cool little one. I, I can't replicate it myself where they kind of grab the blade, they twist it over the back of their head and they bring it back round again. And, and it's a whole sequence they do just to help mobility in their shoulders before they start fencing and to warm those groups up. And Chris, like you said, what can we be doing now? Well, you know, we have all these uh, basically bands are your friends. These elastic, big elastic bands that we see, they are your best friends. Go on Amazon, buy them. They cost only a couple of quid. And the idea of using those to start warming up smaller muscle groups and activating smaller muscle groups is really important because if we want to be at our best when we get on the piece, not only does the mind have to be warm, but the body has to be warm as well. And by making sure that you're stable, mobile and flexible and ready to go. But you don't just become flexible overnight and you don't just deliver your top flexibility whilst on the piece. You have to be warm and those muscle groups have to be firing. And as you've said, it's a long term goal. I never used to be able to touch my toes, never mind the floor. Um, and now I can I can really kind of put the palms of my hands on the floor, which is something I never thought I'd be able to do, which is amazing. And as you said, this, you know, for, for this to really be beneficial, I mean, you can start seeing gains immediately. You'll feel better. You'll feel looser. But you don't have to do one massive stretching session. You can do a little bit every day, you know, five minutes a day. First thing, as soon as you warm up, anything you read online about how to wake up better or wake up and feel more energized always says do a few stretches, get the blood moving. And that's a great it's a great way to do things. I do it every day, actually. I wake up, I do kind of 20 minutes in the morning and, and 20 minutes in the evening before I go to bed. Um, and I, sometimes I might focus on different groups. And I find that to be really, really, really helpful, especially from my training the day before. And it gives me more of a, uh, you know, a structured warm up for the day and, and cool down for the day, especially, you know, kind of having a child. I don't always have the time to, to do my workout and then do my cool down immediately and my stretches but i find i find that for me to be a really kind of easy way to do things and as you you know you mentioned resistance bands and things as well the other another big exercise that i was given is called crabbing or crab walks mm, which yeah, are really yeah. good and i think kind of focus on you know quite a few lower body groups that, that are really important for fencing so again you can you can make quick gains by doing all this stuff and you'll feel really good for it it's it's brilliant yeah those those monster walks are great actually and i do the same now because i'm doing a lot of running at the moment to increase the, the cardio and and i know obviously whilst running you're gonna take a lot huge amount of impact there and so i'm using the bands as well doing the exact same thing doing glute bridges with the bands so i'm making it more challenging and a bit more resistance doing those crab walks or monster walks or, or whatever you call them um, which is being down the quarter squat and moving side to side with the band around your ankles and activates the glutes and things like that. Um, or, or even just having, you know, putting the, the band around the side of the door or, or, or something heavy and then, you know, doing some, put, putting the band then around your heel and almost doing some like hamstring curls to kind of activate because what we need to understand is that getting heat into the muscle requires a little bit of resistance as well sometimes. And I, I think that is 
something that we all need to activate our, our body. But in turn, as you say, getting heat into the muscle allows yourself to be more flexible. So Chris is always brilliant whenever he arrives before a, a lesson. He, he's he's one of my students that always, always, always focuses on his uh, his warm up and making sure he does it at least, even if he's running a little bit behind, which is rare, always does 10 minutes of, of really good warm up. And obviously, if uh, if everything has favored him that day, obviously, it's much longer than that. But again, even after the lesson, even if it's late at night, he's doing his stretching as a, as, as a cool down. And, and when the, the muscles are really nice and warm, that's the time when you can really make those gains in the flexibility. And right now I've been doing a lot of yoga myself. I find that not only, as you say, getting up in the morning and doing like a bit of a, a routine, a body activation um, has really good for the mind. It makes you feel really energized. And I think people need to understand that both a kind of warm up activation before activity is not only a physical warm up, but it's also an emotional and mental warm up too. The same way a cool down is a way to just kind of bring the body slowly down after activity, whilst obviously making sure that you're getting all of those gains from the ability, the flexibility and instability. And I think what's key to understand is that a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about can be done individually or it can be done in a whole range of things to, in, 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 to, to increase all of these. Flexibility is often best to be done kind of at the end of the session when there's a lot of heat in the muscle and then you can really spend a long time stretching them and almost doing PNF stretching, which is where you stretch and then you get someone to then hold that stretch whilst you actually then try and push out of the stretch. And that actually really starts to get a lot of heat and elongate the fibers in those muscles. And then with stability, it can be things like a, a little bit of uh, stability work on, on the wobble boards or things like that. One legged base stuff where, again, you're trying to get a lot of strength through those joints to make you really really solid um and then mobility is, is really good i'm finding with the yoga which is moving through a whole range of actions that are uh, getting me as open as possible so going from downward dog and then from downward dog press up and then bringing my my right leg through towards my shoulder into a deep lunge and, and then going into the warrior pose and things like that and it's really making me mobile able to change and move into these range of movements really deep and i'm feeling a nice burn in there as well so there's lots of things you can be getting on with but i've learned most of this myself actually through um the physios that, that we have uh, maria and, and sonia physios that work with the, the british team but they are more than happy to take requests from from anybody out there that wants to understand this this more and and it will help your injury prevention as well and you, you can find them on, on facebook or instagram or, or even through british fencing and anybody that knows a bit about fencing and fencing athletes and this kind of stuff is, is worth its weight in gold so i fully fully say that if you can if you can get a chat with maria or sonia that's that you know they really really know their stuff and have taught me so much get in touch with them because they're they're really good fencing physios you know having a knowledge of the sport is really important same as when you go to a, a personal trainer you know if they're not aware of fencing and kind of the muscle groups that are important and really what you want to work on you go through a bit of a cycle where they're learning you know kind of what works on you and so there's a bit of kind of lost time you know by by doing this you can skip that and get straight into the you know the meaty stuff the the stuff that really helps and will, will really make a difference but like we said as well you know if you if you're not looking for anything that's that detailed or that in depth you know th this will obviously be great but if you're not doing anything there are gains to be made all over the place do something do something do like five minutes a day so we said earlier you know kind of little and often is is better than kind of doing huge sessions in one go because your body gets used to it and that's how you know it kind of gets into better habits and then eventually you know you'll be able to kind of add time on if you start by doing five minutes you'll be able to do kind of seven eight ten on a daily basis and you know kind of see see how you go but that that I think is a, you know, a really positive 
way to move forward. No, I, I agree completely. And actually, uh, you're right. Do your research right now while in lockdown. Spend that time in the morning going through a routine. But also, I say, you know, go out there and see what you can find. There's a really good book called Yoga for Athletes that I've got. I will put the name in, in the link when we post this. Uh, and it, it's helping me hugely. I'm really learning it a lot and, and enjoying that. So I will put that in, in Facebook post that, that or whatever we, we put on. And if you're lucky enough to live by sand or be in lockdown by sand, sand is really good. Beaches are really good for, for all of these things because it's a surface on which your body isn't comfortable. And that's why running on sand is so hard. It really, it really is very unstable, tough. And yeah. it's unstable. unstable. It's great for strengthening those joints or even just causing resistance if, if you're doing uh, any any kind of, you say, crab walks or things like that. We did a one with, uh, when, you're right, actually, that's great, actually. We used to train at Lee Valley, Nash, uh, Lee Valley Athletic Centre. There used to be a sand pit there and, and to, to good ankle stability and for strength, actually, in the, in the feet and things like that. We go in the sand and we do toe curls to really grip the sand to, to really help strengthen all those little joints in, in the in, in the in, in the feet and the ankle joints and what's really good is a lot of what we're talking about will lead nicely on onto next week when we go into more detail about strength conditioning that can be done for fencing athletes that's great just on that note use clean sand if you're using sand you know use a sand pit that your child is playing in or actually which i have we've got a sand pit in the garden which is fantastic but don't go to your park and use like the dog litter sand. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's true. A, a little disclaimer, make sure you're using clean sand. Absolutely. Yeah, especially at the moment, you know, this do do things that are Corona friendly. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Well, I, I think that kind of, you know, it gives the listeners a good idea of, of what mobility, stability and flexibility is all about. And hopefully, you know, some ideas about how to get better at it and, and, and what you can be doing in lockdown to, to improve that, because it really will give you a good base level of A, injury prevention, and B, to bigger and better strength and conditioning uh, gains. But again, we, we, we kind of leads us nicely into the next part, which is answering questions, a new, new part to the podcast. We've asked people to get in contact. And actually, I've been very fortunate, we've been very fortunate to, to have been in contact by uh, Keith Cook. Keith, he has been a long-standing team member with me, and Keith and I go back a long way. Um, I've always looked up to Keith as he's almost been like an uncle to me in, in, in the fencing community. And actually, Chris, you, you've, you've been on the team with Keith as well. Yeah, he was on the Commonwealth team with me. God, was it 2018 already? It was already kind of a it year was. and a half ago That's in uh, Australia, which seems crazy. And I think that was his sixth Commonwealth. And he's obviously very decorated British and GB team medalist as well. Uh, I mean, on the international circuit. So, you know, he's great. He's he's actually given me a lot of advice on this over the last few years. And, you know, we've been on the Scottish team together, I think probably for the last kind of 10 years or so, uh, yeah. which is, you know, which is amazing as well. So he was asking, in our experience, what advice would you give your younger self if you were to start again? Ben, do you want to go first? Then I'll, I'll give my answer after. Yeah, no, great question, great question. And, you know, I've learned so much from Keith and these questions are, are, are even challenging my, my thought process on that. I think my kind of answer really is understanding training methods a bit better, is understanding why we do things. I've always been quite an inquisitive person, but I think I, I really wish if I could go back to my younger self is to to try and broaden my understanding of the ideas that, that training bring and how to train and and, and what kind of pitfalls to avoid. But ultimately, I think the thing that I really talk to myself about is the idea of patience. And when I talk about patience, I mean, from a, from a, from a longevity point of view in the game, it takes a very long time to get good at fencing. And I think at times when I was younger, I was quite impatient about how my skill was developed. And I think I would like to go back and tell myself, just be patient, calm down. It will, it will come. 
these things will develop they will happen it takes lots and lots of experience and lots and lots of hours of doing this in order to 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 achieve that and i think for me personally the idea of also having working on psychology from a younger age would have been hugely important because it would have given me the idea of patience would have given me the idea to be even more inquisitive about training and keep learning and have a learning mindset towards everything I did, trying to soak up every ounce of training methodology and, and the understanding that keep going, keep going, you know, this will happen eventually. These skills will embed themselves and trying to really understand that this is something that takes a long time to get good at and, and actually that I'm better to learn and make myself better than worrying about everything else that's going on around me. They're probably the things that I would tell my younger self. How about you, Chris? That's a great answer. I would start along the same line. So uh, about knowledge of training, I, if I were to start again, would want to know more about being kind of an athlete and athletic ability before being a fencer. So not necessarily taking away from the fencing, but kind of doing, maybe doing a little bit less fencing and kind of doing more to build up my body to be more balanced, to be stronger, to be strong in the right places, to avoid some of the unnecessary injuries that I had down the line and, and, and drawbacks and challenges that I encountered another thing would have been I'm being cheeky here I'm putting in two answers the other yeah, thing no, would have no, been no. to compete abroad at an earlier stage and I don't mean it I mean it would have been a high level but I don't mean kind of aiming for FIE at an earlier stage but I mean competing in France much earlier I only competed in France for the first time this year I think back in January which I loved and it was amazing and I've wanted to do it for years and years and years and there wasn't really a reason for me not to do it except that sometimes the competitions I looked at and wanted to do clashed with some of the ranking events in the uk that i felt like i needed to do so that's always a hard balance but there are so many on and my dad lives in france uh, and there's one especially it's about an hour from him which is valence which is quite a big one that i've always wanted to do but unfortunately that always clashes now it clashes i think with the leon ball open um but i i did uh i did one in january which and it was just so amazing you know you you see so much you become so much more aware of different styles what works what doesn't mentality mindset and the french circuit is very very tough um, and it doesn't have to be the French circuit. You know, the people at my club, Saxon, gone to Germany to do the old competition or they've gone to to, to other parts of Europe, some in Italy, some in Spain. And I, I just think the knowledge you gain from those kind of competitions, you just, you get so much. It's like the first time you go to a satellite, you're, you suddenly become aware of things and you're like, oh, right, that's it. It's kind of, you know, light bulb moment. Yeah, completely. I, I think, I think yeah, you're spot on there, Chris. I, I think that young athletes need to understand get out there as early as you can get as much exposure because again it helps that knowledge and that understanding and i think that you know they need to understand that the transition between juniors and seniors is, is very very difficult and there is the under 23 circuit and that is something that everybody should be kind of taking on board and as you say even if it's just foreign domestics um the french scene is hugely strong and you know i agree i think that's something they probably returned told my uh, my earlier self as well to do more of i was very fortunate to do some of those things, but even more would, would have would have been great. So I completely agree. And, and you're right. Getting nice and strong as well is always is always going to make the body more resilient to this kind of high level of training that people, I'm sure, one day want to get to. So, yeah, I, I think what this does is this leads us nicely on to next week's podcast. And that episode is going to be on strength and conditioning. Very important. There's lots of lack of information. Is that that's not a very good sentence, but there's there's lots <laughs> out there that people don't know about SNC. Um and I've been very fortunate to have been coached by you, you've put together a training program for me. 
combined with stuff that I've learned on my own. But if that's another thing, if I'd known that much earlier on, that would have been really, really beneficial and ties in with some stuff we've spoken about, which is brilliant. And so, yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. And again, if there's anything specific you want to know or kind of what you can do in lockdown, again, muscle groups or anything, we'll be covering some of that. But if people have specific questions, that'd be great to get in touch about, um, which you can do on the Twitter account, which is at Fenston Podcast. Or you can send Ben and myself a message or you can touch on uh, with me on Reddit. And yeah, so they're just, uh, you can get in touch however you like. And I think we're on a few platforms as well, aren't we now, Ben? Yeah, yeah, we're on a few. So we've got Google, Apple, Spotify, even on YouTube now, Chris. You've got us on YouTube and uh, and on Transistor as well. So there are platforms. So subscribe with you. And as Chris said, please get in contact. Um, you can get in contact with either of us. Um, I have my, my Instagram account and my uh, Ben Pegg's fencing page. So please do get in contact or uh, send us a, a direct message at the, the Twitter account, which is at fenced, uh, at fenced in podcast. Um, we would love to hear from you and, and kind of see this episode as kind of your foundations laid for uh, for next week when we get uh, big and strong at home. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I didn't mean to leave off your social media profiles. I'm not on social media, so I forget that they exist. No, no, don't, don't, don't be, don't be. It's not a problem at all, Chris. Um, yeah, I unfortunately spend too much time on social media. So uh, I, I really wish I could follow in your footsteps sometime and, and, and rein it in a bit. No, I don't know. You look very good on there. I saw that you posted uh, loads of pictures about a trip to Cape Town last year, which I think was visiting us, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. Actually, and do you know what? I didn't mention you because you're not uh, I, well, yeah, you're not on social media as, as much as I am. But yes, those trips that we, we went to to South Africa were fantastic. And they were all to go and see, uh, see Chris um, and, and his family. And we had a fantastic time together, didn't we? Yeah, it was fantastic. Anyway, if you want to see those well worth looking at, check them out on Instagram. Until then, I think that's it from me. That's it. We're going to sign off. See you later, guys. See ya.